Listener Production. Kickbump acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we're recording this podcast, the Yolukut Wollum clan of the Boon who are part of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging, and extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Welcome to the Kickbump Podcast, your fortnightly DM on all things motherhood. One, two, three, Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks. And welcome <laughs> to your back own to all podcast. Listeners. <laughs> How are you? Oh, very good. And I actually. Yeah, you're grinning. I'm, I'm grinning because yeah. last Kick Bump episode, for anyone that missed it, please go back and listen because uh, yes. there was something in the intro mm-hmm. where you revealed. Your Harvey update mm-hmm. was that your son found your vibrator. Yeah. Your two-year-old son. Yes, he did. Yeah. Anyway, so he found your vibrator. He was holding it. Your husband was like, what the hell are you doing? Maybe give that to me. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out you're not the only one. Well, thank God. <laughs> um, because we had, if, if anyone wants to ever send anything in, at KickPod on Instagram. Yeah. Um, we had Jamie send this in. So when our daughter was about four, she found our six toys in the drawer and um, lined up all the pink and purple ones under our bed. Specifically in a line, pink, purple, pink, purple, and didn't touch any of the other colours. We were absolutely mortified, to say the least, but it was very entertaining. That is so I love, funny. I love that she's got so many that there's all I was so say, many pink, well so many purple. Done. That's a collection. I. It makes me laugh, though, because that is so something... Instead of lighting them up, Harvey would like stack them like like blocks somehow. He would yeah, try and that's yeah, like what Lego. his obsession is. Anything he can stack, like even biscuits, he'll do that. Mm. So he would have like generally tried to make a tower. Thankfully, this one was just on its own. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, well, I mean, they look fun, don't they? Some of them. I mean, pink and purple, yeah. like fun, bright colors. Yeah. You, if anything, oh, and if they you should... press a button and it vibrates, it's like <laughs> that's joy. But <laughs> it's just, yeah. Look, thank you for sending that in. I'm happy I'm not alone in that. But um, I don't have like a hilarious update. But he's speaking so much mm. now. Like he's putting so many words together. And there's this clip that I'm going to play. One of my favourite things he's doing at the moment is he's wanting to do basically anything that we do. And so when we make our coffees in the morning, he says, like, he wants a coffee, and this is how he says it. Ah. Me? Yeah. Me coffee? You want a coffee? Yeah. No, you can't have a coffee. <laughs> so now he coffee? goes, me coffee? I love me coffee. He's got a little accent. I, know. I don't know where it comes from, but it's the... Cutest thing ever. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's um, it's so fun. So I, I think, yeah, my, my main update is just that this age is possibly, and I feel like I've said this so many times, but my favourite. yet. cutest, yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. And like, and he's got a little squeak at the end yeah. of his words. <laughs> it's me. It's almost like a squeeze toy. So cute. That's Harvey. Yeah. And that's pretty much it, really. Um, but we have got a very, very awesome episode ahead of us. We have the incredible Lisa Messenger on and also her good friend Sarah Meganson, who is actually also her surrogate, I which is love this amazing. Story so much. I mean, it starts from quite a heartbreaking story, which yeah. is that Lisa went through eight years and 18 rounds of IVF. So crazy. And it's just, it blows my mind how someone can have that kind of... Such a long deter- journey. Yeah, and determination. determination. Like, yeah, just well, like, really, it's like she's so... Resilience. Set. Yeah. Mm. Oh, so much resilience. She's an absolute warrior. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, you'll hear more about her her story. I don't want to speak too much about it, but just a little bit of background. Sarah and her have been friends for 12 years. Um, Sarah's already a mum to three kids yeah. and she hasn't done this before. So it's, it was, it's a really beautiful story. Obviously, you can learn a lot from this as well. There are some takeouts, but I think the most special part about this story is their friendship bond. Yeah. Like, it is just crazy and it's so beautiful. Would you be, a, like, could you even imagine being a surrogate well, for a friend? It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's like, it's possibly the most selfless thing that you could do for yeah. someone. And like, there's so much, like, it's not like, yeah, you know, there's so much involved buying someone something because they can't afford it. It's mm. like, or letting someone stay at your house or yeah. something. It's like, just, it, you're, you're literally putting your body through so yeah. much for nine months. And also just the, and this is what they, you'll hear them speak mm. about this, the thought of growing a baby in your belly and then it's not yours? Yeah. As in it's just... Knowing that it's not yours. Knowing that yeah. it's, you're going to give it to someone else, we will hear that. Yeah. It's just there's so much that's fascinating about it. I really loved this conversation and I think you guys are going to really love this chat. Um, and obviously anyone going through fertility struggles, like my heart goes out to you and, you know, hopefully you can get something out of this chat as well. Well, a very warm welcome to Lisa and Sarah to the Kick Bump podcast. I'm so excited to chat to you both. We are so excited to be here. I feel like we're joined at the hip, so I'm answering on behalf of both of us. <laughs> There'll be a lot of that. <laughs> That's fine. I'm so used to that. It's the same way Laura and I, um, we often kind of finish each other's sentences. And I can only imagine with what you guys are going through, I know you were friends beforehand as well, but I'm sure this has bonded you like nothing else. That's yeah. an understatement, yeah. <laughs> Definitely say that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of the most rare and unique kind of journeys you can ever go on and it's been incredible. And we're only halfway into the pregnancy, you know, so there's still so much to go. So yeah. excited for you both. And Lisa, obviously this has been quite a long, long journey for you and I would love for you to chat through your story of, of how you got to here with your fertility. Um, a lot of our listeners they really love hearing all the different stories of how motherhood can come about, um, all the very different ways that it happens. And yours is certainly unique. And I'm, I'm so happy that you're here now and with where you guys are at halfway through. A pregnancy is so exciting, but I know it's been years and years of fertility struggles and, and quite a journey. So if you feel comfortable talking about it, I would love you to, to go through that. Yeah, and I've been listening to so many of your podcasts and you oh, do such a beautiful job unpacking so many things and normalising so many things and there's so many pieces which I've listened to and I felt like, oh, me too, oh, <laughs> amazing. You know, there's so much that's so relatable. So I have been trying to fall pregnant for about eight years and in 2015 I got pregnant naturally and then I had a miscarriage, um, which was devastating mm. at the time. And I always look at the silver linings. That was the first time I think I'd really connected with wanting to have a baby. Before that, I think I was so focused on career and I kind of forgot about having a baby. So it kind of switched on the mummy gene in a big way for mm. me. I then, that relationship then ended. And later that year, I went to Bali and I went to an orphanage, the Jodie O'Shea Orphanage. And I met this little baby, Gracie, who was, I think, eight months old, lying on a dirty mattress. And I spent three days with her. I then, the mummy gene really kicked in mm. and I tried to adopt her. So <laughs> that was really almost 
impossible to do for a whole lot of reasons. I then decided that I really wanted to have a baby. So I've kind of like really lived it. I don't have all the answers. Mm. My next step was I'm going to do this on my own, partner or no partner. So I actually went through two rounds of IVF using donor sperm and that didn't work, which is probably maybe a good thing in hindsight because then I met the love of my life, Stephen, and we've now been together six and a half years. We tried naturally for a while and that wasn't working. And then we went down the road of doing, well, another 14 rounds of IVF. Um, And then Sarah came into the picture. So so it was just to summarise that for anyone listening, you know, my journey is unique. I always say listen to the similarities, not the differences Mm -hmm. and take what you can. Ours is a very happy story. But during that, it was a really very tumultuous, difficult, horrible time of my life. And I didn't talk about it until um, round 16 of IVF publicly at all. So like many people, I was running a fairly sizable (laughs) company and having lots of other things and no one kind of is the queen of mindset in a lot of spheres, Mm. I think. And underneath, I was absolutely really suffering and it it really got quite dark Um, emotionally, physically, financially. (laughs) I mean, there's lots of layers to the story. Um, So yeah, that's the brief thing. But Mm. then Sarah, which is like (laughs) the greatest miracle on the entire planet. I just wanted to say, Lisa, as well, I think it's really incredible. I've admired your career so much and and who you are. And I think being someone who really shares so much and shares so much honesty and rawness and, and has really brought that out in the industry, I think that's amazing. And I think for you to go through that privately, obviously it wasn't just you in the situation, your partner as well. I've heard you speak about him being quite private and you obviously do have to take those things into account. And I think it's whilst it's awesome and I'm so grateful to have you here on the Kick Bump podcast to talk about it, it you don't have to share these things, right? And I think it's it's quite admirable that you were able to go through it. And I think it's just one of those things that you've always got to remember, even for the people who do share so much online, you still don't truly know what is going on in someone's life and just to always treat people with empathy and everything because you just don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's so beautifully said. And it's so important because, you know, so many of us have so much that's going on that's unexpected. And and it was hard for me because my everything I do, whether it's public speaking or writing books or a myriad of other things, is all about, you know, this happened to me and I've learned to reframe things. It's like, oh, this disaster happened. Oh, great, great content (laughs) for like, you know, let's like dig in and learn the lessons. And then I share the lessons learned. Mm. But because I feel like this was so raw and painful and Mm. so much in our lives we can control to a degree. And I didn't feel like I had the answers. And oftentimes I didn't understand what was going on. But I think Sarah and I decided that it is helping so many. And that's why we've decided to share. Oh, hugely, hugely helping, I'm sure. And I would love to know about your friendship. Like, where did where did you guys start your friendship? What was it like before this journey together? So Lisa and I have known each other for over 12 years. And um, our very, very first meeting um, was a work meeting. 
and first impressions to work with her on a book, editing a book. And on the morning, I called the office and said, um, I'm not going to be able to make it. My husband's been called into work and I don't have a babysitter. Um, my baby was five months old. And um, Lisa said, oh, don't be silly, just bring the baby. So I just think it's now that we look back on that, it's so there's so much synchronicity with our friendship over the years that our very first time ever meeting, I brought my baby to the mm. meeting. Like, who does that? Um, but so we, we met then, hit it off, like kind of worked on a project together, and then we have worked together so many times over the, you know, next 12 years. So we've had this kind of work friendship that developed into an actual friendship. Um, <laughs> we've had lots of things that have happened in synchronistic ways. When Lisa had a miscarriage, I had a miscarriage about three weeks later. Mm. So we had all these moments. Um, my dad passed away within three months to the day of Lisa's dad passing oh, away. Wow. So we had these moments where I think it's for women in friendship, when you have those moments, they just kind of crack you open a bit mm. where you have actual real conversations. And it's obviously deepened a lot since this whole journey yeah. has started. It's been incredible. Oh, that's beautiful. I am interested to know, I'm, I'm sure it sounds as though you guys had a very close friendship where you would talk through everything. Lisa, you know, your fertility struggles that you were going through. Sarah, you probably knew about them and you were talking. Is that how the surrogacy topic of conversation came up? Like, I would love to know how, how that started. Yeah, I, I think this is probably <laughs> the most impactful part of our story mm. um, is the power of just like conversations and being open and vulnerable with your friends. Um, and this came about because of one throwaway comment. We were having lunch like five, six years ago. Lisa was at the beginning of IVF. I think you were two or three rounds in. Yeah, so still uh, very optimistic that IVF was going to work. And we were just having lunch. And at the end of that conversation, I was like, well, if you ever need a surrogate, hit me up. And which is a bit of a weird thing to offer someone. <laughs> but um, I had always, for me personally, I've ne I didn't have any fertility issues and it has mm -hmm. always struck me as something really unfair. Yeah, My husband and I wanted children and we just had them. Mm -hmm. Like there was n no problem with it. So I'd always kind of connected to that whole idea of being able to help someone else have their family. I knew that I would never be able to donate my eggs because to have my like... Once I've had children, I was like to have one of half of me out there somewhere, I would probably not be able to do that. But I was like, I would be able to carry for someone if that if the right situation came up. So I kind of threw that out there as a, um, you know, just as a, a part of the conversation. And Lisa was like, oh, okay, thank you. Good to know. Probably won't need it, but. <laughs> yeah, but I think what Sarah said for everyone listening, I think that's one of our biggest messages mm -hmm. is be vulnerable and open enough to ask for what you need. And also, if you've got something that you've got a burning desire to give, then say it. Like, and so much of it is timing. And so many people have said to me, oh, wow, how'd you decide to use a surrogate? I'm like, well, it's quite a process. Like, mm. it is in the making. But it was that little line, which at the time I was probably like, wow, that's so generous. But no thanks. Because it wasn't even, I had to go through so many iterations of trying myself to mm -hmm. get comfortable with being there, you know, and I think that's where a lot of people will relate. It's like, you think, you know, we're told all through our 20s, be careful, you're going to get mm -hmm. pregnant. And so you always just think, of course, when I'm ready, I'll just get pregnant. And then when that doesn't 
happen. Then you're like, okay, well, I'm going to try this. And then you kind of go through that. And every part of it was, you know, big conversations with Stephen and I and, you know, and having to get comfortable with each stage. Even really when we started IVF, getting comfortable around oh my gosh, this isn't going to happen naturally. And let me tell you, we have tried everything <laughs> since then, I think. Um, even relaxing. Thank you, everyone, who suggested that. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Unhelpful. But, um, I might, shall I fast forward to the next bit? Because yeah. this is pretty magical and insane. So last year after we'd done, you know, several more rounds of IVF, and I think the conversation that Sarah and I had when she offered, we worked out, we think it was 2018, so in 2022, we were living in Bangalore on the Northern Rivers and, you know, there was the floods and for some reason I seem to operate best in a crisis. I don't know why. I just <laughs> step up and take on the world and try and help everyone. So I was there setting up evacuation centres and coordinating helicopters and all this crazy stuff and it kind of got out. So I was doing a lot of media and trying to, you know, feed things into the Northern Rivers as a result. And unbeknownst to me, Sarah's hubby David was a um, radio, well, I knew he was this, but his co-host, his radio co-host had said, oh, we should interview this woman, Lisa Messenger. She's doing this stuff with the floods. So I did an interview with David, not realising that David was David David. (laughs) And Sarah texted me after, so this is just over a year ago, and said, hey, you were just on the radio with my hubby. (laughs) By the way, how's the IVF going? This is on text. And Mm. I text back and I go, "Uh, not great, still want to be a surrogate. (laughs) I'm like, we've talked about this a lot. I'm kind of like maybe I was just so vulnerable and ready to just throw it all out there Mm. because I'd been through so much. And I was in the middle of like major crisis. Literally life and death. Yeah, Life and death. (laughs) Yeah, so you know, my adrenaline was probably at an all-time high and I was also probably like, oh, I'm seeing this craziness, like I'm just going to throw it out there. So Sarah texts back and goes, yeah, let's bring a baby into the world, (laughs) which is pretty wild. And then the action, I was like, okay, let me just get back to like saving some cats out of roofs and like (laughs) setting up evacuation centres. I'll get back to you in a few days. And then we started, you know, having a proper conversation with my partner, Stephen, and Sarah's hubby, David, and we were like, so what do you think? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and then what did David say? He was... Yeah, well, it wasn't a total surprise when I came to him because I had, when we had our kids and I knew I was finished having kids, I had said to him, like, I'd be interested in being a surrogate. I, I don't know where or why that specifically was my thing, but I'm I'm so passionate about just mm. children in general and like child welfare and stuff. Those are always the charities that pull on my heartstrings. And I had always just had this feeling of like, it would be amazing to do that for someone. Like knowing once you've had kids and you just mm. know what a blessing it is. Like it would be amazing to have be that piece of the puzzle for someone. Um, but surrogacy in Australia is like a black hole of information. So years ago, I remember kind of looking into it a bit and going like, what would it be? How do you connect with someone? How do you, I I knew that I wouldn't want to do it with a stranger because, you know, doing something this intimate, I would want to do it with someone, you know, that I know and love (laughs) and that I'm hopefully going to be part of the baby's life. I couldn't just hand a baby over and see ya. Um, so it wasn't a complete surprise when I came to him, but it was, he was like, okay, well, what does this mean? Like you're a bit older now and um, I had some, like a few pregnancy complications and things. He's like, what does this mean for your health? Mm. And so when we had a few of those discussions and I said to him, look, 
the first step will be talking to my doctor and making sure that I'm like physically okay to get pregnant. But if we pass that hurdle, are you open to it? And he was like, yep, you know, I know this is really something you've always wanted to do. So he was open. And then very quickly, I mean, that was 12 months ago. Now Mm. here we are, 22 weeks pregnant. So very quickly, we kicked on to all the next steps, of which there are many. (laughs) And I should just mention, Sarah Sarah is like the most incredible, kind, selfless, I could go on forever. (laughs) But where a layer that is, she actually has mesh in her stomach from a pre... (laughs) You can explain that. So despite potential complications and, Mm. you know, more ripping and surgery (laughs) and awful things, she still was like, I really want to do this. I mean, insane, amazing human. (laughs) Well, that was the thing my hubby was worried about because my surgeon had said I had um, a lot of women get it in pregnancy. My abs separated and I got hernias. Um, So my surgeon said, like, make sure you finish having kids and we'll put you all back together which I did many years ago. And then I called him and I was like, hey, if I was to get pregnant one more time, what would happen? And he's like, well, you've got a whole bunch of mesh in there. It's like the mesh isn't going to break apart, but the muscles around it might. Mm. And I was like, what's the risk factor? And he said, don't have twins. (laughs) Um, So that was my only caveat coming back to Lisa and Stephen. I was like, we can do this, but just one. I can do one for you. And we still don't really know where that will land. I might end up with like some issues Mm -hmm. there, but it was one of those things too where... When I talked it out with hubby, I was like, look, it's not it's not going to kill me. It's not going to leave me permanently <laughs> disfigured. I might end up in a bit of pain and I might end up with some issues, but we can. it's nothing that surgery afterwards mm-hmm. won't be able to correct, hopefully. But it wasn't enough of a, um, like a deal breaker to be like saying no because I might end up in a bit of pain or I no. might have complications. I was like... That's I still not get even. so emotional. Oh, don't cry. <laughs> don't I don't want to cry. Because I'm just like, how? <laughs> like when you hear that, I'm just like, I mean, I know that story very well. I have shivers all over my whole body. I'm like, who does that? Oh, yeah, I might just have to have a bit of surgery after, but whatever. <laughs> like she's in, you no, are stop. in. And we're both crying. Okay, we both cry a lot together. It's like I also have the pregnancy hormone. She's got <laughs> She's got, we're in sync. (laughs) I mean, of course, but like good on you guys for uh, the both of you being able to have that conversation because, yeah, there's no doubt, Sarah, this is like possibly the most selfless act there is and it's so incredibly beautiful. But Lisa, for you to also be so open to actually have the conversation with your friend to ask them of something like that as well is is so incredible in itself and it just goes to show the the kind of trust and bond that you guys had in that friendship to have that conversation. Thank you. But as we said before, we both believe that, yes, ours is a beautiful story, which, you know, the surrogacy is at the centre of it. The lessons are really so much deeper and it mm-hmm. really is about the power of friendship, the power of being vulnerable enough to ask for things, the power of stepping up and, you know, the power of community and not having to go alone. Mm. And so many people have asked us since, how do you find a surrogate? Well, have conversations, be mm. unafraid to say, I'm really struggling, you know, put it out there. And and the, the same goes for other things in life. The only reason that my business is where it is is because I've been unafraid to ask for things and try and navigate, you know, paths less trodden and same with says. So I think that's the big lesson here. And, I mean, I said this before, like I could not imagine bringing a baby into the world in mm-hmm. any other way. Now, like this is the most extraordinary, incredible, beautiful gift. And I've gone from like being 
you know, a deep, dark mess to like giggling <laughs> yeah. joyously all day, every day and just like having a best girlfriend and mm. our relationship has definitely deepened like a thousandfold Absolutely. Since. It and has been the most expansive experience and I have so many people are really, really kind to me and they're like, oh, you're so like lovely. It's such a beautiful gift. Um, but that misses the point of what I get out of it as well. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing this if it was just a complete drain and it's not something that I was benefiting <laughs> from, you know, like I, like the opportunity to be this piece of the puzzle mm. for someone's family is amazing. It's been incredible with my kids too. My kids yeah. are like seven, nine and 12. So they're all well and truly old enough to understand. And it's, it's created the most incredible conversations with them about yeah. what it takes to create a family. And, you know, my my nine-year-old daughter was like, mom, why are you doing this? And that had, like, she just wanted in such a beautiful kid way of like, yeah. mom, why would you do this? Why would you grow a baby for someone else? And then that created a beautiful conversation about how so many different babies are made in different ways and, yeah. um, you know, families are created in different ways. And just, you know, I think um, went very early we had a bit of um, counselling as part of the whole experience. Yeah. And the counsellor did say at the time, he said, I find for a lot of families that go through this, it's a really beautiful, expansive, I remember he used that word, expansive um, mm. journey. And that has definitely been what it has felt like. Just everything has been enriching and amazing and, you know. Yeah, the ability to redefine what motherhood or parenthood yeah. looks like and um, help people to be open to opportunities and possibilities and um, surrender to how they thought, in my mm. case, what they thought or what I thought the outcome would be and stop trying to control it and just stay open and amazing things can happen. Oh, I think it's so incredible. And Sarah, I'm glad you said that because that was going to be my next question, knowing that you had three kids. I wasn't sure how old they were and and those kind of conversations around it. I think it's amazing that they know what's going on and know how it's coming about because it's so true. It's it's only an incredible lesson for them as to how that one of the many ways that families can come together. And I would love to ask a question, Sarah. I wonder as someone who's experienced pregnancy before, like, does it feel any different carrying Lisa's baby than when you were carrying your, your own babies? It does, actually. Um, and because this is something that I had always had an eye on. When yeah. I had my um, third child, he was a boy, while I was pregnant with him, I used to imagine, I used to visualise, like, imagine if this wasn't your baby, how would you feel about mm. it? Um, a question that a lot of people ask me is, how are you going to hand the baby over when it's born? And I'm like, well, I won't be handing it over. Lisa and Stephen will be the Catch first. Like, they'll be getting <laughs> yeah. the baby. Like, it's their baby. So it's, like, not going to be this, like, ceremonial, physical handing over yeah. of a child. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I did have a lot of that. I would think about how would I feel if this was not my baby and I'm growing it and I'm handing it over. And I have just had this, I don't know, this just boundary in my head the whole time. I feel ridiculously protective over him. And I adore him, but I just know he's not my baby. Like, so there's no, oh, I'm going to get emotional again. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this would happen. But it's just um, like I, he, I'm 22 weeks and I've just in the last week or two started to feel him move more, which is so exciting. But I'm also like, I just can't wait for Lisa to feel it. Um, so the whole experience has been yeah, Stop really? It. She's gone again. <laughs> Sorry, I'm off. 
I am, I'm a hormonal mess normally, but while I'm pregnant, geez, all bets are off. Um, but yeah, it, it has been really different. I think when you when it's your own baby too, you're thinking ahead to all your mm. hopes and dreams and plans. And I would be thinking ahead to, you know, when, when it was mine, I'd be thinking ahead to what parental leave I'll be taking and what my plans are for the first six to 12 months. And, you know, mentally thinking of all those milestones where you go, oh, this Christmas is going to be my first Christmas with this extra child and all of those things. None of those thoughts are happening for me because my journey finishes when he's born and he Mm. goes to his family. So I'm not thinking ahead the way that I always did, which I guess in a way keeps me really nicely anchored in the pregnancy because Mm. I'm just really relishing and enjoying this experience for what it is. Um, Red hot tip. Your journey's not over when he's born. I should say I I will be his auntie forever and be well involved in his life, but in a really beautiful way where I have no responsibility and I will be sleeping um, (laughs) while Lisa and Stephen get that that beautiful newborn experience. (laughs) And I'm just going to add something because something people maybe don't think about and it maybe I think about myself and I think, my gosh, how naive was I? But having Sarah, who's had three children, Mm -hmm. so going through 16 rounds of IVF myself and then Sarah did 17 and 18. But the funny thing is, like, because I was so focused on just getting pregnant Mm -hmm. and I had 16 phone calls saying, no, you're not pregnant, when we actually finally had one saying, you're pregnant, I was like, oh, my God, what do we do? (laughs) Like, the weirdest thing is in what was that at the time, seven and a half years or something, not once had I even thought. Like, then I was like, oh, my God, what happens next? Mm. And luckily, because Sarah's been through it three times, she was like, oh, now we get an obstetrician and this is what we do. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. So, again, bonus tip, having like a best girlfriend who's like, okay, this is what happens now. So she's been, you, Sarah, have been amazing in terms of like, these are the things because I have no idea. Mm. And now I'm like, oh, I can actually breathe for the first time in eight years and be like, okay, now we need to think about all the things yes. that you said before, like time off and setting up a nursery mm. and what, what do I need to get for him and all of the things that I just never allowed myself to even consider until this was a reality. All the little milestones too, like it's going to, it's, you know, Easter and Mother's Day and all of those little moments, you have that feeling of like, oh, next Mother's Day, mm. I'm going to have a seven-month-old or whatever, yeah. whatever it is. You think ahead to all of that stuff, and it's um, yeah, it was it was funny in the beginning, not funny at all, but it was. Oh, I <laughs> always say that. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, but it was absolutely not funny. But in the beginning, when um, when this pregnancy was working, and Lisa was almost a bit shell shocked, like every time something happened, she would be like. <gasps> oh, that's good news again. And I was like, it's almost like you're conditioned Mm -hmm. for the bad news to come. Like obviously after that many rounds so that when it was good and the pregnancy was progressing, she was like, what? Um, And and I can remember the the obstetrician appointment, the 12-week one where um, the doctor was just like, everything looks perfect. It's all working. And we were just like a sobbing mess. (laughs) Oh, I bet. Because <laughs> we were, were like, boring. oh, my God, this is actually happening. There's going to be a baby. Like it just um, all kind of clicked in and felt really real at that point. Yeah. Oh, my God, I can only imagine. I know that there's going to be a lot of people, um, or maybe not a lot, but there'll be there'll be definitely some people that can relate to many different parts of your story. And I think there'll be people that are in, quite intrigued as well and curious, I think, Maybe they're going through their own kind of fertility journey and 
would like to know more about like surrogacy as a as a direction. As you said before, Sarah, there's there's a little bit of a black hole. I know that it's very different country to country, even like state to state in some countries. Mm. And I know that here in Australia, it's not something that you can pay for. Um, so it is more often than not a someone that you know, some sort of relationship in that way. Do you mind just chatting through a few of those things? Like, is there contracts involved? Like what it actually looks like, I suppose, like on paper or legalities around it? Yeah, there's a lot of steps involved. <laughs> I mean, you don't yeah. have to go into all of it, to, obviously. Yeah, but. I'll let you summarise <laughs> Let me summarise. So again, I would say to anyone listening that it's very contextualised yeah. because for me, it's actually been quite smooth because I think I'm like, oh, this has been so beautiful. <laughs> but contextually, because I had been through so many different pieces before. So anyone who was just coming into it would probably be like, oh my gosh, there's so much paperwork and it's so overwhelming. But um, for me, it's actually been the most joyous part of the journey. Also because prior to this, unfortunately, our experience has been in a largely as you would know, unregulated mm. industry. And there's a lot of people who mm. unfortunately prey on you for money and, you know, everyone's offering you when you're in your most vulnerable state, mm. oh, I've got the cure, you yeah, know, just take this 90 tablets a day and you'll be fine or do three lots of acupuncture a week and you're going to sail on through or, mm. you know, there's, I mean, and trust me, I have paid sure. and done all of it. Yeah. So in terms of surrogacy, essentially, and says, remind me if I miss any steps, <laughs> Firstly, we had to have some embryos, which we mm -hmm. had six embryos, which was great. Then we needed to do a joint counselling session. Mm -hmm. So Sarah and her husband, David, me and my hubby-to-be, Stephen, I think it was about three hours. We did a Zoom call for counselling yeah. just to go through any anomalies and what ifs and have you considered this and mm -hmm. what if this happens, which was actually great. A beautiful guy called Ian went through that with us just to ensure that we had really thought through all the steps because I mm -hmm. think in the moment we were all quite excited and, yeah. you know, and so it's good to have someone to s regulate. And then I think we filled up a pretty comprehensive... Very comprehensive <laughs> psychological report. Psychological <laughs> report, which like you really could not trick because yeah. it had a lot of the same questions asked in different yeah. ways, really to make sure that we were all of sane mind. And I think it was good because through all of that, we did hear a few, not horror stories, but a few situations where... Red flags and things. Red flags yeah. and yeah. things. That, and, and it could happen throughout. Yeah, totally. And then we did have a lawyer. So we appointed a lawyer and then Sarah also has her own lawyer so that we do fill out a fairly same, same contract, I think. Yeah. Just looking at were there any anomalies or anything that we considered around, you know, how we would like the birth or what our relationship would be and things. So the contracts are in place. I guess for any, I don't know, if Sarah wanted to keep the baby at the other one, just any again yeah. anomalies no, and yeah. things, which I think, having had businesses for 22 years this year, I'm like, have contracts for everything. Yeah, exactly. Worst case scenario, <laughs> yeah. but then you never have to worry about it again. Yeah. yeah. Is if anything ever gets funny, you just refer to that and you never have anything murky or totally. um, no surprises. And, then, and there are so many weird little quirks with surrogacy. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, that when we are in hospital, Lisa and I have to check out at the same time. Like, I yeah. couldn't check out earlier or she couldn't check out with a baby earlier. So there's so many little things there that I think having that legal document to just mm. cover all that means everyone's expectations are the same. Um, there was all of that 
Once all of that was cleared, so we had the the psychological stuff and then the legal stuff, once all that was cleared, then we moved into the physical stuff for me, which was um, a couple of months of like quite a lot of testing, lots of, I think I had multiple like Mm. at a, what do you call it, a high cosy? Anyone who's been through fertility stuff would know what that is where they inflate a balloon in your uterus Mm. Mm. Um, just to make sure that it was going to be a hospitable environment Mm -hmm. for the little guy. And I had quite a few... Blood tests. Ultrasounds, blood tests, yeah. pelvic exams, all of that stuff. Like anyone that's done IVF knows how involved it was. It was all quite eye-opening to me because yeah. when I had my kids, it was just like, I'm ovulating, let's have sex. And then we were pregnant. So this was a whole <laughs> different experience yeah. of, you know, um, it would be, you know, I'd get a blood test on a Thursday, get another blood test Monday. Yep, you're ovulating, you know, get to Sydney on Thursday. You're, you're going to be implanted in three days. Like it was... It was it was really fast, mm-hmm. and I felt a lot of guilt through that Aww. time. Well, you know that <laughs> I was overcompensating, as Stephen would say, because I was constant. I just felt so bad, you know, because I was like, "Oh my god, poor Sarah, who actually has a very important job, and you know, three children of her own, mm. and suddenly." I mean, I've been doing it for years, but I was like, oh, my God, I feel so bad that you suddenly have to, like, go to have a blood test because everything, as anyone who's listening and, you know, stuff has, um, you know, there's so many things where you just have to drop everything and go and have a blood test or do all the things. So I was just so appreciative and also feeling so guilty and I think scared because we'd had so many no's. I really thought through that period that, like, oh, well, Sarah just, put a hand up for me, like, not too hard, I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, then like, I was on the other side going overcompensating to reassure, like, I was like, yeah. it's fine, it's fine, don't worry, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> because I was like, I don't want Lisa to think that I'm going to bail on this, you know. I'm in it, I'm committed, we're getting a baby. <laughs> and I was worried through that. And actually one other thing that we didn't talk about, which you asked about, was the financial side, which mm. was another part of it, which you're right, in Australia it's altruistic, so you can't, actually pay someone to carry, but um, you can pay for like all expenses. So just like if I was carrying the baby. so Everything that you'd have to pay for. Yeah, any like maternity wear or tablets or hospital. Massages. Massages, like anything (laughs) that Sarah needs to, you know, help her, support her through the pregnancy and be comfortable. That's Mm. all covered. Yeah. And financially as well. And I I only say this because I think, again, to contextualise and it's quite a private thing, mm. but I don't want anyone to be like, oh, it's okay for you, you must have all this money because we, Stephen and I made a decision last year to sell our home, mm. um, not just for Sarah, <laughs> for everything that came before because, you know, not everyone is in a position no. financially to be able to do IVF after IVF and do this journey and Stephen is the most beautiful, calm, wise soul. And he just said to me, um, it doesn't matter if this costs a dollar or a million dollars. Like if what we want is a baby, then we need to just forget about everything material and this is is it. And um, because it used to make me quite upset every round of IVF, I'd be like, oh my God, we just don't have this money. And when he said that, I was like, and it's absolutely right, and Sarah and I have talked about that so much. This has put everything in perspective for me. Oh, yeah. I'm like, this is my whole life now is, oh, our whole life now is about this little boy and, like, everything else that I ever thought was important has absolutely fallen by the wayside. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure, I mean, you've 
You've had some incredible success in your life, but I'm sure this is probably the most joyous you've ever felt. And ever. There's only more to come <laughs> as well, which I'm so excited for you for. And I, I, you guys mentioned before, Sarah, you said something like you'll forever be his, his auntie. Lisa, I would yes. love to, to ask you about that in, you know, have you guys spoken about what you're going to tell him, how you're going to tell him, or, yeah, who Sarah's going to be to your baby? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we well, basically, we're moving in together. <laughs> Sometimes Stephen says, hey, remember I'm in this relationship. <laughs> so funny because he's never wanted to be on social media and now it's like the Sarah and Lisa show and he's like, can you put me on there sometimes? I'm like, oh, this is remember actually this hysterical. Um, I think from the absolute get-go, our little boy will know everything, you know, yeah. that... Mummy's tummy wasn't working and that Auntie Sarah kindly, you know, carried him and, you know, we'll absolutely, that will be always, always, always the story. He'll know exactly, you know, how he was conceived, how he came into the world, how special Sarah and David um, and Lila and Noah and Jesse are. <laughs> like, you know, it's our chosen family chosen now. Chosen family, yeah. And my kids have asked me what the baby will be to them. Like, mm, they're yeah. like, is it, is it our nephew or our cousin or what what is it and I we have this concept of chosen family with our because you know you have lots of friends who have kids and I'll say like that's yeah that's your auntie but it's yeah. you're not related it's not your actual auntie but we call them auntie and I said this is exactly the same so this is going to be your chosen cousin he's not blood related cousin but he's going to be your family so you know they don't trip over the semantics of it that's the great thing about kids they just they just go with it straight away. They're like, okay, cool. So I'm getting a cousin. Great. <laughs> yeah. And cute. what I'll say to that as well is, you know, I really, I really think when you own something and you're so comfortable with it yourself, it's like we just talk about, like I ran mm. into my neighbour this morning. Well, it's a new neighbour. She hasn't met me before. And <laughs> she was like, oh, what's going on? And I was like, oh, well, we're having a baby on the 2nd of August. And then, of course, everyone looks at my stomach. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, no, not me. My friend's carrying. Like it's because and I'm sure some people just are like, okay. <laughs> but because I'm so like confident and joyous about it, mm. everyone just seems to like take it in their stride. And not that life is about external validation or what anyone else thinks, but I do truly believe when you own something and like truly believe in it and it becomes part of your own vernacular and way of being that, I don't know, the world just like, I think that's another lesson for everyone. Like be unafraid to yeah. just do life your way. Yeah, I exactly. think that's a really, really big thing. And not worry about what anyone else says or thinks yeah. or cares or anything. Like literally the only people I care about with this is my family and Lisa and Stephen, like with their opinions and views of it. Anyone else, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've had really similar experiences like with Lisa where I'll be getting a blood test and someone, you know, the pathologist can see that it's for a pregnancy and they'll be like, oh, is it your first? And I'm like, actually, it's not my baby. I've got three kids, but this is for my friend and you go through the whole story. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, and, and I did have one when she was um, taking some blood and she was like, oh, my, my sister offered to do that for me. And I was like, oh, how amazing. She goes, oh, no, but she had two sons. And she said if she was pregnant with a daughter, she would keep it as a joke. And I was like, oh, no, you can't be making jokes oh. like that. Like that's no, there's, there's an issue. And she's like, as soon as she said that, I kind of went, no, we backed away from it and we didn't do it. Um, but I think there is so much 
uh, as we've said so many times, but there's just so much power in these conversations yeah. and being open and vulnerable. And I wonder how many people we've had these throwaway chats with at a pathologist or whatever, and um, that's opened up a conversation or started a conversation with someone, you know, in their own life where they've been like, oh, I, I remember speaking to a girlfriend about this early on and she's like, you know what, I've always thought about donating my eggs. She's like, I don't think I could be a surrogate, but I would be interested in donating my eggs. And I'm like, we should look into it and do it. Like, what's stopping you kind of thing. Yeah. Having more of these conversations and talking about it more. You know, if you go back 10, 15 years ago, mm. so many people struggled in the dark with everything to do yep. with fertility. Now we have all of these beautiful podcasts and, you know, social media and stuff that opens up a lot of conversations. But I think surrogacy is really an area where there's still so much for sure darkness around it or just lack of information. Yeah. And Steph, you said something earlier about surrogacy and different states and different countries. And Stephen and I actually did look into surrogacy in the US early on. Um, Sarah must have planted the idea years ago. And a friend of ours had said that she had utilized a surrogacy agency in the US and it was nice doing it offshore and all of that kind of thing because people didn't know what was going on. And in hindsight, for us, that would have been just, I don't know, I can't even imagine it now mm. because it would have been someone that we didn't know who was far away. It would have been just transactional, which I can't imagine myself ever doing now that we're in the middle of this. Mm. And Sarah and I literally live an hour and 15 minutes away from each other. So, you know, that is just such a beautiful gift. And I think people nearly fall over when I'm like, we have a surrogate and they're like, oh, where is she? Thinking that she's probably a million miles away. Mm. I'm like, oh, she's just up the road. <laughs> so it's just been amazing. Oh, it's so special. And I wanted to say, like, it's been so special getting to know you both more and hearing about your story. But it feels funny using the word story because obviously, as you've just touched on, like, it's your, it's your truth. It's what you're living. And whilst it might seem, you know, different or um, unique, it's, it's, your story and it is your life and it's how your baby's coming to the world. And so I think it's really incredible the way you guys are speaking so openly about it, at least now, because it's it's just goes to that point of the miracle of childbirth truly is an absolute miracle. And it doesn't matter how it comes about or how they come out. Um, it's it's still a miracle all in itself. And I'm so, so happy for you, Lisa, and it's been such a pleasure meeting you, Sarah, and I can't thank you enough for, for being here on the Kickbunk podcast with me. Oh, thank, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Steph. Yeah, I never for a moment forget about the privilege and, you know, how kind and amazing Sarah is. And as I said earlier, I actually now can't imagine doing this any <laughs> other way. <laughs> yeah, it's been an incredible experience. And we haven't even met him yet. <laughs> We're still in <laughs> the pregnancy two. side. <laughs> well, we hope you guys enjoyed that chat. We'll pop any information about Lisa and Sarah in our show notes if you'd like to find out more. If you would like to hear or see more of us here at the KickPod, we are on Instagram at KickPod. Please send in your voice notes or toddler tantrums and stories. That's where you can get involved with the podcast and that's where we'll be posting behind the scenes and videos from each episode. I will be back in your ears on Monday. If you would like to learn more about Kick, the app, you can head to our website, keepacleaner.com or to the Apple Store, Google Play Store, and we've got a seven-day free trial if you would like to try our app. And I'll be back in your ears soon. Bye.